Hello, and welcome to this special episode of Vontobel Now. In a slight change to our usual podcast format, we're bringing you the highlights from a live stream session recorded on Thursday, March the 31st, about the implications for investors of the war in Ukraine. Together with Georg Hesler, a military expert and the editor at NZZ, Von Tobel's Dan Scott, head of multi-asset at the firm, examined some of the key political, economic and investment impacts from the latest events in this crisis. To give some context initially to this session, it was interesting to hear Georg's view, as at day 36 of the war, about whether he believes there is any chance of this conflict being resolved quickly. Unfortunately, no. Mm, Unfortunately, yeah. no. I think even uh, that the worst what could happen is a cold peace with Russian troops remaining in, in, in Ukraine with their own self situation. That could be the, the worst situation we have. Dan then probed Georg on his views about how NATO has dealt with the crisis, as well as his assessment of Europe's united response and what observers can read into the fact that a number of countries have remained silent on the war so far, including China. We have to say first that the US is steering the whole thing. It's the US is, the, is, is, is carrying the, the, the whole responsibility, more or less. The European um, armies are more or less auxiliary. That's, that's the most important. But it's interesting how unique, uh, how the NATO is working together. They are really to- working together. There is, a, is, is, there is no state which is doing its own path. That's interesting. That was not the same thing. It's also you quite together with, with NATO working mm-hmm. together. And that's a unique thing. After the pandemic, where, where the West was not really working together, it's a new situation that the free world, let me say, the free world is working together again. Yes. Uh, you mentioned two important topics for me. One, the EU and then the free world. Um, on the point of the EU, there's been much applause in the in the public domain in the press about how uh, coordinated the EU was, how quick sanctions came. Do you see this the same way, or do you think there might have been scope for them to even go further for Brussels? It, it's to- highly interesting how um, EU is coordinating right now. It, it's, it's the absolute opposite to the pandemic. It's also the absolute opposite to the refugee crisis in 2015, mm-hmm. where we had or more or less a problem inside of EU with the Eastern European countries, which had not the same direction like the Western European countries. This is a new thing. The question is, how long does it take? Mm-hmm. The, we, uh, we are fearing high energy prices. People in Western Europe will suffering with high prices, especially in Germany and also Italy. We forget always Italy a bit because it's also very depending on Russian gas and Swiss electricity, by the way. And how long this uh, united position will stand? That's the question. Mm-hmm. And, and the other topic then was the <coughs> free worlds, Western liberal democracies. But what about the others? What about the position? Because if we look at it from our perspective, we think, you know, it's the whole world versus Russia. But if you look at a map colored by who has condemned Russia, there are many, many blank spots, of many course. countries that have decided to withhold a voice. Countries like Israel, Saudi Arabia, India. What's going on there? It's very interesting. We are quite focused right now on our world view, on the free world view, dominated more or less by the U.S. But you said it. I mean, we have states like Iran who are quite a backup for for the Russians and, and doing their thing in the Middle East. For example, we have every day news about Houthi drones, Houthis are proxies of the Iranians mm-hmm. attacking the Emirates. We have Israeli strikes against Iranian forces in Syria almost every day. We have China, which is doing its own thing. There is a lot of things going on. We have we have support for the Russians in the south 
because of Sahara region, where the French is going out, the Europeans are going out, the Russians are going in into this vacuum. I think there is a lot of things going on, but we are quite right now quite focused on Europe, on our whole our, our world. Yeah, indeed. But one country, I guess, needs to be mentioned in particular, and that's China, because we would have expected China would want to flex its geopolitical muscle right now. And so far, they seem to be taking a very understatement approach. Maybe they are doing that exactly with that tactics. I think China went back under the radar like they did it long time ago, during a long time, it's a, it was quite a new phenomenon that Xi Jinping was uh, more aggressive in the last time, also towards Taiwan. But now they went back under the radar for several reasons. First of all, they watch and see what's going on and, and how they can profit for their political um, ambitions. And on the other side, they want to still play the game with the West. They are depending on the West. They're depending on, on the, the globalization. They cannot live in a world only with Russia and India. So they have to arrange themselves with the West because the sanctions are really a really interesting uh, maneuver of the West to show the power of the West of the free world. With this in mind, Dan shared how the war has so far impacted the approach of Von Tobel's investment committee to its investment decisions. It has to be said that in the month of war that we had between the two investment committee meetings, some things happened, clearly. I mean, there was an invasion of the Ukraine, but the topics that we were following, like inflation in particular, were really affected because war is in general inflationary, but this war in particular is very inflationary. If you think about the energy aspect, that's clear, but also in terms of soft commodities, grain markets, but also in terms of industrial metals, iron ore, nickel, palladium. These are all important. Russia and the Ukraine together, really a source of a lot of these inputs to the commodities complex. So that adds even more inflationary pressure, which means the central banks are in a situation where they have to react more aggressively. And that's where we stand today in the recent commentaries that we've had from central banks, in particular from from Jerome Powell at the Fed, is a very hawkish tone. We are now pricing in seven rate hikes for this year. Just six months ago, we wouldn't have expected any rate hikes this year. So things have really dramatically changed over a quick period of time, and that's going to have an economic impact. Economic growth is going to slow down as central banks increase interest rates and start to tackle inflation. Gail then provided some analysis on what the world might potentially look like going forward, amid the fact that more and more countries are playing a role in this war. It's extremely difficult to say right now. First of all, Russia wanted to create a new security order for Europe not for the rest of the world. It's a European point of view. We have other players which are playing a role. You mentioned China, China under the radar right now, but we have also Turkey, for example. Mm -hmm. We have Iran, who is playing a role, Mm -hmm. and India is playing a role. And we are going back to patterns we know from the 19th century. We have powers who are working together partially and are concurrent I have a concurrence on the on the other side. I think it's not Fukuyama. It's 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 the, the opposite of Fukuyama. Mm-hmm. The history of the 19th century is going on right now, and that's the reason why it's so difficult. We had before the war in Ukraine. It was often said that we will have some spaces of norms. That there will be an American space and then the Chinese space mm-hmm. with 5G, with authoritarian versus democracy, and so on. But I think this new situation is far more comparable with the 19th century from the patterns. It will. Not a repetition of the history, of course, but with the patterns we are back in the 19th century. 
Further, with energy supply a key talking point, given the knock-on effect from sanctions on Russia, Georg and Dan shared their views on the risk of Russia stopping the supply of gas to the Eurozone and on the impact on the supply of oil generally. We don't absolutely know how they will decide. They are in war. We are in an economic war. The Minister of Economics of Germany yesterday, Mr. Habeck, said it on German television loud and clear. We are in an economic war. That's a possibility, but not a likely possibility uh, because Russia is very much depending on the, on the gas, uh, on the income of the gas, and that's the reason why they will not stop the delivery of gas. Yeah. Lots of questions around oil, maybe um, also our perspective on oil. I mean, the pipelines uh, running to Europe are still open. The Druzhba pipeline is still pumping into Europe. The uh, East Siberian with its two forks, one to Kazakhstan, one to China, they're still open. Really what's been constrained is seaborne cargo and not because there's any embargo. There's not on Russian oil, but it's just because the, those that ship and trade uh, feel uncertain about whether anyone's going to buy it from them. So Ural's crude, not necessarily the most sought after form of crude at the moment, just because it's not necessarily seen as so easy to trade. Trafigura, for example, has come into a situation where they had to offload because they couldn't find a buyer. And so that's really the biggest impact. And so if we think about a reaction, if we took all of oil production from Russia off, that which it exports, so around 5 million in total, other OPEC countries could probably step up and fill the gap. The U.S. could end its moratorium on shale, could import more from Canada. Most regions have a way out of the oil conundrum. The Eurozone, though, is very dependent on gas supplies, and that's very difficult to change because there is no seaborne terminals built yet to receive U.S. natural gas. And so from that perspective, that's the reason why Europe is really in a, in a more difficult position from our perspective. Georg also commented on why he thinks there hasn't been more of a cyber element to the war. At the end, a war is uh, on the battleground kinetic. If you want to have territory, you use tanks. And it's very interesting that Putin was very good in, in, in cyber, Russia is very good in cyber warfare. They were using it, of course, before the war, they will use it after the war. It's something, it's, it's, it's support weapon in a way. But at the end, if you are in a war, then you use kinetic force. And that is what we are seeing right, right now. And finally, he shared his insights on what it would take to remove sanctions on Russia. We don't know which is the end of the war. And I think mm -hmm. that's the most difficult question because we don't know what is the condition to talk again with Russia. Mm -hmm. Because what we have seen is something we never have seen before, that from one day to the other, we were breaking apart with Russia. It, mm -hmm. Russia is on the position of North Korea right now, more mm -hmm. or less. Mm -hmm. And to come back, that will be difficult. And that's also the question with the sanctions. It has to be kind of common ground to take back the sanctions. And this question could also be one of the problematic side of this unity we have now between all the Western European and transatlantic, the transatlantic world, the free world, that we agree um, that's a, an aggressive action, but maybe some states will want to release these sanctions a bit earlier than, than other states. And that could be also one of the problematic sort, uh, things in this unity. That brings us to the end of these highlights from this recorded discussion on March the 31st. I hope you enjoyed these relevant and timely insights. And to hear more, as well as be informed of new recordings and podcasts going forward, please follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you. This recording is for information purposes only. 
and nothing contained in this recording should constitute a solicitation or offer or recommendation to buy or sell any investment instruments, to affect any transactions, or to conclude any legal act of any kind whatsoever, except as permitted under applicable copyright laws. None of this information may be reproduced, adapted, uploaded to a third party, linked to, framed, performed in public, distributed, or transmitted in any form by any process without the specific written consent of Vontabel. To the maximum extent permitted by law, Vontabel will not be liable in any way for any loss or damage suffered by you through the use or access to this information, or Vontabel's failure to provide this information. Our liability for negligence, breach of contract, or contravention of any law as a result of our failure to provide this information, or any part of it, or for any problems with this information, which could not be lawfully excluded, is limited at our option and to the maximum extent permitted by law to resupply this information or any part of it to you, or to pay for the resupply of this information or any part of it to you. Keep in mind that past performance is not a reliable indicator of current or future performance, and forecasts are inherently limited and should not be relied upon as an indicator of future performance. Today's guest speaker is not an employee or representative of Von Tobel. The views expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and or policies of Von Tobel.